spidey senses tingling. The only known podcast host to also be an aspiring wrestling heel. His name is Slim. This is your Paper Cake Show, episode 216. Welcome to the show. You know, it's the summer of Swamp Thing, which has evolved into the summer of Alan Moore. Tonight, we wrap up the saga of the Swamp Thing. Final book coming together. Swamp Thing, book six. For them killers, give it up for them gangsters. One time for the killers, and then we'll read your letters to close out the show. We there's a lot to get to this episode, so let's just keep it moving, please. We have a writer on the show, he's a founding member of this podcast, one of the three remaining living hosts. He's unpublished, but that doesn't stop him or us from trumpeting his wares. Jonesy loves beer. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, just this afternoon, I composed a real-life grocery list in my Evernote app. So I feel like the chops are there, Wow! and I'm pushing boundaries. You know, I use the grocery checklist function. Whoa. I mean, if time. you ever needed some cred... Uh, I'm ever noting it to your hearts. Wow. When I, when I go food shopping for my wife, there's always like one item that I walk down eight aisles and I can never find. Mm. And I have to ask somebody like an idiot. Oh, and man. It's like, for, it's like salt or something. Silly. For me, it's Purdue bagged chicken. 40 oh, times boy. I've been to the grocery store in the last two years and I still fail to get mm. that one item that I've gotten before, mm-hmm. but I just can't ever grasp. It never stays in there. Writer, welcome. Evernote.com. Tell your show, new show sponsor. I'm shilling Evernote. Speaking for zero dollars. Speaking of VP of shills, you know he's shilled on this on this podcast several times for Gumroad. You name it, he'll shill it for you. He's uh, VP of merch. You know he's the brains behind our, our t-shirts, <laughs> our rare t-shirts that people are clamoring for more. Dale underscore Ray, Silver Fox, welcome back. Oh yeah, I plan on, you know, it takes about a week and a half to uh, try to get uh, a reply in a group text anymore between us three, but I'm slowly but surely working on it, you know. these uh, We're getting some t-shirt requests of late, and maybe that's, you know, something we shoot for for fall, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? A fall variant t-shirt. What color would it be? Gosh. I have a, I have a color in mind already. Really? Mm. What, what do you think, Dale? For well, colors? now now I say the wrong thing, and then you judge me. You know, I don't I don't know the colors. I mean, I'm sure you have you're thinking of some sort of beautiful American apparel colors that skinny people can wear. <laughs> you know, they're you know they have gorgeous colors. They do. 
Skinny people do have gorgeous colors. Yeah. That's a well-known fact. They're they're American Apparel exclusive garbs. Now, Now, let's talk about, you know, we're a week away from something that we'll experience as friends that we've never done before together. And it's going to be off the charts. And I'm talking, of course, about WWE SummerSlam in my house. Mm. We're going to get some wings. You know, we'll drink some ciders. Oh, my gosh. Some ice cold pops. Yeah. You know, we'll just we'll just be together, hanging out like old times. Your thoughts, uh, Jonesy Loves Beer. I, you know, I, for one, can't wait. It will be my first uh, official invitation to the, the new abode. You know, I'm probably going to rustle up some Not Your Father's Root Beer. Mm. You know, cart it on over with me. And uh, I look forward to just, you know, hanging with the boys. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be oh so sweet. All of us <laughs> together in the room watching wrestling. <laughs> God. We're probably going to want to start a wrestling podcast that night. That's what's going to happen. We're going to be so charged up. We're We're going to want nothing else. Mm-hmm. And it's going to feel good. We're going to ride that high for a couple weeks until we actually start it. And then we regret. Right. We and then we, we haven't recorded an episode probably in three months. And no one's right. responding to the group chats and G-chat. And then we decide <laughs> to just to hell with it. What do we even do this for? And it just fades off into the sunset. Going to call it Tech Nope. <laughs> do we have an update on the status of Book Jug? <laughs> uh, Why do you draw the work? ire, Jonesy? <laughs> I had to. I had to take my opening. And what I is care the book? What, they... what is the book for the next episode of Book Jug? For those that don't know, you two, Jonesy Loves Beer and Dale Silver Fox underscore A, do a podcast where you talk about books that you listen to, really, on Audible. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it was a toss-up between two, mm-hmm. uh, which we've both read, but I think we're going to go with Jurassic Park. Wow. Is that, oh, is yeah. that the book, Dale? That is, in fact, the book... It, um, we've recently both listened to it, so it's fresh on our minds, fresh-er. And then there'll probably be, at the end of the show, some, uh, you know, like I said uh, last week, State of the Book Jug. We've we've both, you know, branched off and read some things on our own. Maybe uh, throw those wrecks out. Mm-hmm. Clear the brain space of all the stuff we're storing up. The brain space. Heads. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's going to be a good show. Promises to be an entertaining show with just our two monotone voices trying to make each other laugh and uh and let's break and just one reminder saga the swamp thing book six coming just around the corner stay tuned final uh, alan moore book mm-hmm. of this of this title what do you what do we both attribute to the three of us really why do you think it's so hard to record a podcast anymore honest question i mean i, I agree uh, that it's very difficult now I find it very difficult. The 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 getting psyched up, the doing the legwork, or the actual recording. What's what part of it? Getting, maybe mean? maybe the whole package. Yes, I just say yes to that, Jonesy. Yes. <laughs> uh, let, let me uh, let me, let me brain beat here for a second. Beat it up. Um, I don't think it's more difficult than it's been, and I don't think it's uh, a level of enthusiasm. I just think. You know, five, six years ago when we started this, we were all, you know, recently married with no children. 
And I think as our families grow, and now you have a home that you have to maintain, and Dale's got Wayne Manor, stately Wayne Manor Stand he's got to maintain. Places are lovely. You know, I've got baby number two on the way, and it's just um, with all the daily tasks you have to do, it's hard to it's hard to do a podcast unless you make it a priority to get the the legwork done. And and to build on that, it's tough to make it a priority because. It's tough to, because, I mean, there's paper keg. We have paper keg bar none, right? That's that's alpha dog in our stable. And you, but, and in reality, we have to prep for paper keg. In, uh, you know, we do one night for paper keg. Maybe you take two nights, maybe two or one night to just prep for paper keg. And then the other nights, I mean, you just kind of like, you don't really can't really count the weekends because mm. I, I'm I mean f- to me like podcast recording on a Friday or Saturday night just isn't in there because you know you got your family your wives and your family kind of exp- there's this you just want to be with them you just kind of want to like lay low get something done with the family mm. or something hang out you want to spend some time with your wife on the couch you know canoodling. Canoodling, yeah, it's it, you know it's all the, the complete package, and, and and all said and done, seven days have gone by, you know, and you're like, where would I even record another show? We used to do a lot of seven uh, days, yeah, <laughs> seven days, you know, four days, three days, four days to read two hundred fifty pages of a book. You know, we do some crazy ass sometimes <laughs> for this show. I mean, it wasn't even that long ago that we read a book, a trade, and then like three other books. Three other yeah. issues, and that wasn't. And even now that it's long crazy ago. to think we're gonna, go, you know, to go back to that. Frightens me, <laughs> chills me to my bones. I mean, we we barely have time to record a goofy Tom Cruise podcast where we talk about a movie that we just watched. I don't know but how the pe- honestly, the I don't people, know how people do it people, anymore. Well, that's their only gig. Yeah, like people who do full time work in podcasts. That's why there's not, you know legacy podcast out there because real life interferes but some people I guess can make a living off of podcasting I don't know how it seems unfathomable but real real life who needs it not me said this guy who needs real life when you have summer (laughs) summer slam coming in just seven days away we'll be passing around moist towelettes after having 20 wings apiece Mm, you know Are we, are we getting, uh, since we're so local, should we get Union Jack wings? Oh, come off it. Is that? Wow. <laughs> what is that? Is that I, Union Jack is a wing joint that I oh. haven't had in several years, but it was one of the, some of the best wings I ever had. The only reason I would say that I haven't thought of that, Jensie, is because I don't think they're on Seamless. And I generally only go to places that have Seamless or Grubhub. What is <laughs> what? what? I don't understand. Slim, what is that? Come on. You don't, you don't use that? In Cedarville, New Jersey? No. I don't know. Well, Dino's probably gr- on Seamless. But that's <laughs> they probably have their own Dino's app that you just Dino's. type in a word and they'll come deliver it. <laughs> uh, Grubhub and Seamless are the essentially the same company. They merged recently, but you load up their Grubhub app, type in your address, and it'll show you places near you that deliver. And you can order from them in the app. Oh, my gosh. And it's revolutionary. It's changed my life. Right. I never have to go to interact with people. I don't have to wait in the lobby for 20 minutes. And it was weird because in PA, 
uh, I think um, Mrs. Well, I won't say her old name because now I've, I realize the error of my ways, but uh, former host, guest host, Mary, will come up with some kind of less insulting name for her. Sure. She pointed out that there's some kind of business model around here where they they connect with Grubhub, so they del- they do all the deliveries for Grubhub. So Grubhub around this area has businesses that don't deliver, but they'll deliver through Grubhub because this third party will mm-hmm. pick up your order and bring it to you. So for the last, like, three orders, we've had the same girl deliver us. And it's, like, really – we didn't realize it until, like, the third time because my wife and I opened the doors the first two times. But I guess they just, like, pick up the order and, like, okay, I got to go to chicken time to bring these wings to this address. And, like, so now we're pretty much on a first-name basis with this woman who works for this third party. That's life. Will she be there at SummerSlam? I I feel like we'll probably have to invite her in. Say, do you care to watch SummerSlam with four strangers? If we have enough uh, alcohol on us, you could bet. <laughs> you can bet. Remember the uh, the uh, landlady in Amish country who came to collect the money? For oh, the I do. We totally invited her in for beers. We we're just like, come on in. It was she amazing. She had a rough day. She needed to imbibe. She did. Yeah. She took those pumps off, you know. <laughs> Rubbed her feet. John, I think you just like floor. saying pumps. You <laughs> yeah, want to work, take off those pumps in any kind of conversation you have. Actually, I play a game where I write a couple of phrases down before the show and just try to work them in. <laughs> one of them was take pumps off. Is that a new uh, Fitbit or a jawbone, or is that the same one you've always uh, had? Same one. Same one. We got to move on. We got to get it a wrist. I think uh, that could be the case. I haven't trolled you in several weeks on the show about. Uh, you don't need to troll me. I, you know, mastermind. Look destiny. at this guy. Master of his own Gosh. destiny. I won't mention any other names, Golly but we mama. need to get into the Swamp Thing talk. Yeah, everybody's book six. better. Everybody's better. The final book for Alan uh, Jonesy loves beer. Can you can you walk us through this this uh, lovely journey? Two thousand one, a Swamp Odyssey. Uh, you know, Swamp Thing book six is Alan Moore's. Swan song, dare I say, swamp song, uh, <laughs> of his uh, immortal work that he's laid down, that is also somehow an homage to uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey, and is also an homage to the cosmic DC universe. That uh, newsflash is actually good, shocker, and it also wraps up Swamp Thing. Uh, by ending where it began. And that's love, folks. It brings everything full circle. A daring, mind-expanding, wonderful journey throughout the known universe to get back to your one soulmate and thus transforming your own soul. Swamp Thing is Space Odyssey, book six, can only be described in grand paintbrush strokes. No other words do it justice. It's one thing, book six, the end. <laughs> so we got, I mean, we went big here, right? The The tone of the book changed with, uh, the, you know, beginning last volume with swamp, Swampian Space kind of took on, it still had his, you know, the roots in the um, horror, mystery, drama, genre with him on the blue planet. But 
this goes into a more of a sci-fi run for the first couple issues of the volume. And the first issue is features Adam Strange, who the long and short is a man named Adam Strange. He kind of knows where this beam is going to hit Earth. He jumps into the beam to get to teleport to this planet where he is basically a hero. He has superhero powers because of the beam that he's traveled on. Uh, and he is a hero. He is a lover of the princess of the planet. And uh, lo and behold, Sw- in Swamp Thing's mind-hopping journeys from, uh, you know, skipping, from skipping stone his mind from planet to planet, he lands on uh, Thanagar, or Ran, one of the two planets. The other planet hates the other planet, but... Um, one is Hawkeye's planet, and the other one is another planet. That's how I remembered it. <laughs> yeah, good, good, yeah. Perfect. And um, so Swamp Thing is, is kind of walking around. He's It's a dry, desolate planet because of war. There's not much vegetation, but whatever vegetation there was, Swampy has kind of, like, grown into it so he could you know, recollect himself before he shoots off again. And and lo and behold, he finds the pack, the backpack of Adam Strange, and it lists, like, something that's made in Seattle. And he's like, holy crap, what is the coincidence here? So he attempts to figure out what's going on. He finds Adam Strange, and Adam Strange is trying to grow, help them figure out this vegetation issue that they have. All the while, he's seeing his lady love and planting his seed inside of her. Um, and, you know, it's either Swamp Thing can help, but until they figure out Swamp Thing can help, they're making deals with the Hawkmanian alien race who I guess are not just men and women, but they are actually bird people, which I didn't know. Is Hawkman the same way? I thought Hawkman was just yeah, a man. I think they're all the same. So, uh, you know, they're cons- but the Hawk, Hawk people are conspiring to basically, they're going to help these people out, but they're going to take way more in return, which is not good. And um, Swamp, they end up communicating after a misunderstanding Adam Strange and Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing grows their vegetation for them, but the encounter between Swamp Thing and the hawk people that was a, that was the most cliffhangeriest cliffhanger in comicdom right there i mean the last page is a hawkman's double-sided axe like chopping in swamp thing because they're mad that he's going to ruin their scheme of stealing knowledge because he's just going to reach down to the ground and regrow everything and it was pretty, that whole issue was, I loved that whole issue. I mean, the fact that, like, there's a little comedy relief, Adam Strange trying to find in Australia where this beam is going to land, and it turns out it's, like, in the bathroom of a shopping mall that wasn't in the middle of this desert three years ago. And yeah. what, what the, what, you know, the communication they build and what Swamp Thing is able to do for the planet, I thought was just great. Like, it was a great story. And the way Alan Moore described Swamp Thing trying to, like, search the layers of ground, searching for any sort of life whatsoever, 
that exists somewhere, like deep beneath the planet's core. The way he was describing all that was just phenomenal. It was like poet. I mean, it's all poetry. It's all art, but um, it's it just it just widened the story and the world into this cosmic thing, which he did previously with the uh, you know the crisis on infinite earths and stuff. But this was just like like Jonesy said, the cosmics DC stuff we saw in '52. But this was like this is 1987. This is happening. So, after Swamp Thing uh, saves Rain, uh, it's important to note that that will come back in the last issue to weigh pretty heavily on Swamp Thing's mind. Yeah. But in between that journey, you know, he pretty much finds out from, you know, he tells uh, Adam Strange that he can't ride the beam back because something about him and the green is broken. And Adam Strange is like, well, I know of this planet that is full of sentient vegetation, you know, kind of like you, you know, they would be the ones to ask, you know, how do I, how do you get healed? So, you know, with a new destination in mind, you know, Swamp Thing jumps again into the void. Along the way, in one of the most sci-fi issues of a comic I've ever read, Swamp Thing is essentially uh, hard art by a planet. It's a you know a, a its own AI planet. It's from like a machine world. Uh, Swamp Thing lands there and starts to like pull you know organisms around to shape a body. And the the planet basically uh, processes him mm. in order to mate with him and said you know send her own seed out to the universe. And she basically, what she considers the waste product is actually the soul of Swamp Thing. So he's basically kind of like used, abused. Everything about him is copied and torn apart. And his waste somehow finds its way to this sentient plant world. And as he struggles... Go ahead. No, no, I was about to jump in. I was, I mean, that issue was, that was another silent issue that's told solely from the point of view of this planet machine. But that issue was frightening. Like, it was, it was like Alan Moore put out a coffee table book of H.R. Giger illustrations and just wrote a story based on, like, this creepy machine. This biotechnical machine, but living organism, floating planet, and he just he just proceeded to like from this planet's point of view. She just illustrates how she just she experiences his swamp things like being coming into form, like she interrupts intercepts his like consciousness first. And then, like, he starts pulling himself, himself together, and then, like, as when he's done, like, she's, she describes him, like, exploring where, where he is inside of her. And then when he goes to leave, she, like, tampers with time. So he can't leave. He, he doesn't leave. Like, time resets. So he, he comes back again to the point where he enters her the first time, and he just she just, like, strips him 
like chop shop swamp thing into something it it was the words the the the, the description of what she did was out of this world I and mean, it was the, crazy the art too uh i think it was Toddleben who drew that issue but he took his style to like a whole different world to draw that book it was mm-hmm. almost like um Sinkevich is an artist who yeah. just gets like way freaky with his art he, and Toddleben got way freaky with his art in this issue and i actually even kind of viewed the planet as like a spaceship for some reason maybe it was just because how it was how it looked and that mm-hmm. he stumbled upon this alien spaceship and and if we want to think of it as a planet, it was almost like if Cybertron was like sentient and swamping landed. Yeah, or Unicron. Yeah. Yeah. The movie. Yeah, be, mm-hmm. yeah. Because, because even the spaceship describes how her mother like made her mm-hmm. like it was like the spore spaceship, but it was self like it was replicating and had children and like that shot off in little spores. It was crazy. And the, and how the inner monologue of this, thing was talking about how they you know how it experienced the sensation of melding and becoming one with swamp thing and how it came upon the word to use was melting like i'm melting right now and like experiencing love almost in its own weird twisted way and before i forget the one issue the two issues before this when he was on the planet that he brought life to he talked to adam strange and he essentially told him he's like i can't go back to earth but you know, when you get back to Earth, mm-hmm. I need you to find someone. Uh, and he just des- and he describes, um, you know, his his one love, of course, on Earth in Huma. And he says, you know, I'm tell her I'm still alive. And when I can, I'm coming home. And like that, that whole panel, it, like Swamp Thing's face. I can't I don't I'm not sure who drew that issue, but the face of Swamp Thing when he was like talking to Adam Strange. It looked like he was holding a Fabergé egg and was like afraid to break it in his hands. He was like taking such care with the words he was telling Adam Strange. It was so beautiful how he just relayed this message. That was my favorite part of that whole story. Because when in the world would he ever suspect that he would have a chance to communicate back to Earth in any sort of way? And it's like he he's on the planet with this guy from Seattle. It, it was just like, oh man, he was choosing his words carefully, and it it was it was wild. And and the, I I screenshotted of those that two issue run. I screenshotted when he was the words that Alan Moore used when he was like trying to root himself into the dead ground, and he's like he's trying to tap into the green, but all he saw was browns, oranges, and some reds, autumn colors. The colors of a world approaching its final season. Like he couldn't find anything. It was it mm-hmm. was really cool. So now stripped down to what I'll call his source code. Swamp Thing uh finally finds his way to um this sentient plant world and immediately causes havoc as he tries to pull a body together he doesn't realize that they're not beings like him it's the actual vegetation itself that is sentient and has its own environment 
So he literally makes a body out of living things, not realizing that he is terrorizing uh, this uh, planet. So who comes to stop them but their Green Lantern? So cool. And uh, and I like I forgot, even though I just finished the Adam Strange story, like I forgot this was DC. So when Green Lantern showed up, I was like, wait, what? So, uh, but it, it's incredible because the this Green Lantern is an old aloof almost ready to give it up green lantern and he makes a deal with swamp thing and said i can teach you how to fix your source code and in fact not just fix it but make you a being of pure energy and you'll never have this problem again and, and you'll be one with the universe the only thing i need from you is please animate my my old master and friend and lover one last time as I train you. So it's kind of like a beautiful love story, like built mm-hmm. into this Green Lantern story that's really a Swamp Thing story. But the core of it is is really just this love story. So Swamp Thing is fixed, or he learns how to fix himself and and become part of the code of the universe, the real green. I think there's a line in there and said, uh, you know, if I... If I were on this planet and now I understand its source code, uh, if it had a color, I would call it the green. Like it just kind of like leads you to the fact that he can become one with any world he goes to now. And he, you know, bears this Green Lantern farewell and makes it back to Earth where you, you kind of forget the circumstances he left earth because it seems so far away in your mind because these stories are so expansive real quick but Jones, i don't thing... want to skip over no, that please. issue too much but the the one i think my favorite part of the vegetation issue was the first time i read it i, I remembered the like the the couple that merged mm-hmm. one swamp thing took them over mm-hmm. and was like irreparably damaged their relationship because of that because they were so close to one another in this environment and then there was just one like throw off line that I just chuckled at was when he was walking with the mentor, the Green Lantern was, and thinking back on his life, he recalled back to when the mentor, uh, he was talking about his eating habits and he said he had stopped eating vegetation and was only eating animal life. And I remembered like, what a, what a interesting little throwaway line to compare to like vegans. Vegetarians. Yeah, vegetarians in our world, but also in their world. I thought it was like a little funny little line that I didn't catch before. He managed to make that issue like so chaotic and horrific. And like you said, in the end, it was, a, it was about love and, and loyalty. But just the setup... Like, you don't quite get what's happening. And then, like, and I was reading, I was like, these people are made of plants. And I'm like, I, I mean, it was like, something's going to form. And he just, like, he he starts pulling these people's bodies together to form himself. And, like, the horror that's described is, like, something out of, you know, that one episode of Fringe when, like, the two worlds merged and... Like, two people from both sides of the thing became one. Like, there's just bodies becoming, helplessly becoming, you know, this giant swamp creature. And 
the the what's described is when the green you know the green lantern finally like musters up enough energy and learns to like pick them apart and he just like starts stripping swamp thing down and saving everybody on the planet i thought it was the coolest thing when the green lantern showed up i'm like oh my god this is amazing because it's just part of the bigger the bigger thing again and i wonder if around that time there was a problem with the guardians of the green lanterns you know because it was mentioned like the guardians aren't really a thing around that time anymore I, i'm curious if that was a green lantern thing in that issue but man and and how he managed to make that story about how these two shy lovers who thought they had something become totally repulsed by each other because of the situation they were thrown in. It, I mean, that was just like icing on this story's cake. It was incredible. It was incredible. So Swamp Thing has what I like to call a hard landing back on Earth. Uh, and let's not forget that the cronies of the Sunderland Company. Don't forget, you're skipping an issue. Am I? What the, issue uh, was the mother box issue, which oh, wasn't I, oh, which wasn't written you. by Alan Moore, but that was written, I think, who by the artist who eventually took over the title. I think it was Rick Veach. Mm-hmm. No, I think. Thank you for winding me back there. So there is a now that Swamp Thing is can become one with the universe type powers. He lands. Uh, on a rock and ends up uh, meeting one of the new gods. Is that like what? I forgot how the DC describes their cosmic universe. And by Slim's expression on his face, he also has no idea <laughs> of what I'm talking about. So anyway, this dude works for Dark Side, and he's kind of like a uh, an, an upper echelon explorer. And he's got you know this godlike chair that he's kind of like this supreme lazy boy. <laughs> that he kind of, uh, you know, observes the universe. And uh, he comes in contact with uh, what's called a mother box, which is, from context, some kind of living computer that can take its owner uh, anywhere in space and time, I think. And uh, so this guy, this chair guy, crashes Swamp Thing is also happens to be landing there, drawn by the Mother Box's call. And Swamp Thing, because he's, you know, both Swamp Thing, but now also this universal being can communicate with it, understands language, and they form a uh, a team. They team up. Swamp Thing makes himself into a veggie chair, and uh, they go to report back to uh, Darkseid. Of course, you know, is like the apocalypse of the DCU. And um, the Explorer offers Darkseid in return for a new chair uh, all of Swamp Thing's pain and suffering and uh, indecision that he's felt. And Darkseid's like, yeah, give me give me some more that. He loves it. And uh, then Swamp Thing continues on uh, to the hard landing. What do you guys think of the Darkseid issue? I actually didn't, I forgot about it entirely when I had the second read through. And I honestly, I think maybe the sec, the first time I read it, I kind of just glossed over it because Alan Moore didn't write it in, in all honesty. But the second time around, I did enjoy it. And I liked how he conveyed, you know, this, this character abs- absorbs all knowledge 
of the universe forever, pretty much, is what happened. And then, Swamp, like, you don't see what Swamp Thing experiences until the end when he views into this void. And Darkseid wants that. He wants to see what Swamp Thing experienced. And it boiled down to, uh, you know, what the entire book is about, which is love. And he experiences seeing Abby growing with Abby, being with her, you know, as they experience what they have together. And I thought it was interesting. I, you know, I didn't. I don't think it was the strongest issue of the run, and I wouldn't mm-hmm. presume to expect it to be when it was Rick, uh, this guy who was the artist in the book, taking his own stab at it, which I think I read in the foreword that Alan Moore was, like, under immense pressure to finish The Watchmen during this time. And the last two or th- last two or one issue was, like, extremely late. So you could see there was some, some guest, uh, guest spots filled in, I think, during this trade. And this was one of those. But I, th- I don't think it was bad. I think it definitely could be contained in this run i think it's worthy of being in the storyline but it Mm -hmm. just didn't slap me in the mouth like that i was in love with it yeah and what's what's cool is the in the foreword it's steve Bissett mentions that alan moore was willing to take this whole story on a sci-fi slant because that was kind of like rick veach's wheelhouse and i think that i guess they knew at this point that rick would be taking over writing duties when Alan Moore left. So he kind of like took it that way for his sake. So him getting to probably, you know, write this fill in issue that mattered somewhat to the story and his travels, but really kind of helped Rick get like his bearings on the book and take, you know, work that, uh, that sci-fi kind of stuff that he liked so well, he got to work that out. And, uh, you know, that's, that was super DC Cosmos stuff right there. I mean, Darkseid and this Mentos or whatever his name was. Mentos. Um, just the, just when, when the new God was describing <laughs> what he saw in an instant, he, he like, he saw infinity all in an instant of his, of his, uh, you know, in his brain. And then he described he went on to describe like 20 different things that he experienced all at once. And that was just a taste of what he experienced. He really like the writer really set the vibe for what he was really able to experience in that, in that time. And then dark sides like, Oh, you thought that was, you thought you experienced what a God experiences. He's like, that's, that's a cantrip. That's nothing to what you think you experienced was something great, but that's, that's, that's expected that's what you experience all the time when you're one of us or something like that. It was really funny. He like clammed up this, this guy. He's like, Oh, never mind. Then this guy didn't, didn't experience anything. So let's get back to the hard landing. Cause he lands hard, hard back in Huma. So <clears throat> as we left Swampy, the Sunderland cronies had uh, arranged a hit on him to which they were quite successful. So Swamp Thing's back, and he doesn't even take a breath before he orchestrates a huge revenge plot in which he basically chokes the living effing life out of everyone that had a hand in his demise or the uh, 
what do you call it? The the destroying of Abby Cable's image. So now that that stage is set, he much like I'm trying to think of maybe like the end of Goodfellas with uh, Layla in the background. Like each guy gets their comeuppance, mm, yeah, kind of swamp thing. Yeah. You know, manifests himself in you know some guy's gut, or or comes through the pipes of a of another place. Like he just, and each revenge scene is just given its own taste. Like you never felt it was rushed. Like as if Almore himself got off in writing this issue and wasn't was the Swamp Thing, as he was finally able to end this journey and everybody got what they wanted. Uh, an incredible, I'm gonna get you, issue. And it was all punchline, which was great because there was no buildup. It was all, remember me, mother effers, I'm back. Yeah, yeah, you're right. There was no buildup because it's like at this point, Swamp Thing is so far beyond what like they what could, he was when he left. Yeah, they could never, they can't strike fear into him. He's got no, he's just trying to get this out of the way so he can get back home to his woman. He's He has no time to... Uh, set up, you know, like the uh, the issue twenty one, the Sunderland, where he's like stalking these people to instill fear. He's just done. He is just completely beyond playing around. He just wants it over, and he, that's what he does. He just ends them in a in a very plant murder sort of way. But he just doesn't take the time. Like there's no, you're right. There, there's just no build up, and that's the pacing of that story is so cool because it's just like. I'm far beyond what you guys have done. Like, I've moved on. I'm not going to get eye for an eye. You're just done. You're nothing to me. And that's it, man. You could almost even, like, if you weren't even paying attention, you don't even know that that Swamp Thing or what's happening, who these people are. Because the first, like, ten pages is just, like, these randos getting killed. Yeah, yeah. And then you could be like, oh, okay, yeah, these are the people that wronged him. And now he, they're they're dying. And it was funny, they thinking back on it, you know, Swamp Thing is a lovable superhero, but he doesn't have a problem with killing people if they've done wrong. Like right. He has zero qualms about that, which I think is easy to overlook. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, in the end, he's capable of bad stuff. So, the final issue. Gentlemen, let's... Let's be candid in our love for this issue. Uh, a god newly made returns to Earth a much more powerful being than when he left. And before he can make himself happy with Abby, he has to contemplate Ran. You know, I brought life <clears throat> to a dead world and I can do it here. I can restore the deserts to fertile lands I can repair the damage of the ozone layer. I can basically eradicate pollution from this planet and bring it back to a natural balance that I only ever dreamed of in Gotham City. And I can all do it in an instant. It would be nothing to me. It would be like, you know, breath for any other living being. That's how much power I have. And I can't comprehend why the Parliament of Trees uh, sits and watches Instead of doing, acting. And after an afternoon with Abby and kind of thinking 
over his new swamp godhood uh, set to the background of like a, a small bayou fisherman who laments, you know, he doesn't know, but he knows, you know, he doesn't know why the vegetation is, isn't as vibrant or the ecosystem isn't as, you know, bountiful. He doesn't know it's because of Swamp Thing. And so why this, this bayou guy is, is kind of lamenting this, it mirrors Swamp Thing's own lamentations about how he should use his powers for good or ill. And then he comes to a pretty uh, hefty conclusion. He's like, if the world knew that I could snap my fingers and fix their problems, then they would just continue to rape and pillage the earth unchecked, knowing that I could step in at any time and fix it. And I would probably, you know, dawn on man a darkness from which it would never recover if I stepped in. So knowing this, he's like, you know what? I'm just going to make myself a little plant house and think about myself for a change. And we end the series thus far with the the Bayou Man saying, hey, the good gumbo's back. <laughs> Everything's back in balance. Swamp Thing, 64. 64 Jonesy doesn't even issues. Jonesy doesn't even need us. We, I could cut out just Jonesy's intro through the entire run. Dale and I might not even be in this episode. <laughs> but that, the, the, which he skipped over a little bit, which I'll get to about why it makes sense, but the second to last issue, he, you know, comes from underneath Abby and picks her up and they're both grinning and in love. They're, they're connected again. They're back together. And it, it was a muted issue. Like they're, their connection back together again, they're rejoining. It wasn't, at least on my second read, it felt less than because I think their their love had been so solidified over time that you didn't need this kind of big bombastic, you know, issue where he fights off the bad guys to get to her. He like forces Gotham into bring them together because that was that issue where you they like got together again and it was like blow your face off. This issue was almost like, you know, the good gumbo is back. Like it's, you know, oh, we're back together again. This is the way it should be. Like it was, it was like a muted rejoin to me in in this in this read through, and it was fine because I didn't, I wouldn't expect anything more than that. But the convert, like the the real juice of the issue was his thinking to himself about how does he react in this world now that he has the power to mm. end famine in Africa, which was v- supremely well done, I thought, and how he asks himself that question and why should or shouldn't he? I thought it was amazing. But, you know, obviously the Abby and he are back together again and the, one of the best covers ever of this issue when they're the shadows are in the swamp. But, man, what a what an issue. What a run. Yeah, the I mean, it just felt like this was the best ending. It really felt like Alan Moore had his chance to tie everything up in his way, and we've seen from previous issues in the past, you know, 20, 20 30 issues that there can be issues of the comic where not a whole lot happens and yet everything happens. So when you say they 
like they're together their get together was muted yeah it's because like it just fits the 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 vibe of the comic as a whole and that's just where that's just where Abby and Swamp Thing belong at this point like they're back together and it's cool because there was just no not like the drama is over with you know that was really nice because it's been it's been a road of ups and downs like he's seen a ton so to give him his due in the last issue or the last two issues i think that the next to the last issue maybe had some still had some conflict in it with him you know taking care of the uh, Sunderland corp but it was yeah it was just like a perfect wind down and everything kind of ended ended like a an overworked ready to retire swamp thing should have ended and it worked per, i mean it just worked perfectly together yeah like, i want i want to read the elseworlds elseworld story where swampy's like yeah i'll just take care of the earth what does yeah. that story look like <laughs> yeah really and he's just like he's seen enough to know that i mean you see you see it in other comics you see it in other mediums all the time. Like people aren't smart enough or good enough to take care of themselves, so somebody's got to do it for them. Just imagine. I mean, yeah. six volumes of Swamp Thing. My door just opened behind me. Spooky. It was creepy, huh? Spooky. <laughs> <laughs> there was a dog on the bottom half that just walked in. Uh, six volumes. Amazing, amazing book. Top number two book of all time. Easy. Easy. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm I am completely in agreement with that. It might yeah, I mean it might be my number one or number two. Wow. This might rival planetary for my top spot. And I don't I don't think I would ever have said that before in my life. Hmm. I mean I can't believe what we've accomplished here. You know what I mean? This this yeah. is like this is like, you know, digging digging deeper in Alan, digging deeper, uh, you know, in the Alan Moore work. Like, I'm not saying, I'm not going to, like, assume that and put out a blanket statement. Like, I've never heard people talk about this book, for, book before because I that could be completely untrue. It just, like, it was never on my radar. But holy moly. This is, uh, I mean, this is the equivalent of taking, like, Liu Kang... All the way through the bracket, oh, yeah, and beating Shang Tsung with a flawless victory. Where was this on your little cheat sheet for the show? Is that line <laughs> at like the it number one? In there. Save this for the end of the book club. <laughs> he has his uh, Evernote list set up <laughs> with the check boxes, and that was Mortal Kombat reference. Right, Luke Kang. Take off those pumps, Luke Kang specifically. We all still haven't finished Pluto yet. That's the real. Oh, I want to find out know. where that book places, if it does, in the top five, because that's number three for me. Pluto. Yeah, we need, well, wow. we need to run with your idea of uh, finish your, what was it, finish your album uh, vote that we're going to put out there or something like that you had suggested? I think you just like made if that we, we did a, If we did a volume one you really liked and you want us to finish the whole story, you know, let us mm. know. I'll take credit for that. That's fine. <laughs> that works for me. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> That's on Slim's checklist. Take credit for something. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. Do we have any closing statements on uh, on Alan Moore? I mean, 
Rick Veach, Steve Bissett, John Toddleben. I just will, amazing cast. Perfect, perfect cast for this book. I will say this. I was trepidatious because Swamp Thing was never really on my radar. Um, and if you're looking for maybe the best story to step out of the realm of superheroes, capes in particular, and be guided on a journey of what comics can really do and tell you and make you feel, Swamp Thing is the the gateway drug that you need to get out of that headspace in the most incredible way. Yeah, because you can't even like you can't even think about the fact that it's part of the DC universe because it really doesn't have to be. It's so much greater than DC. It just happens to be a DC property. But I mean, this is one of the greatest runs ever. And if you want to be and if you want to read a run that's just like it will take you on the gamut of story from horror to drama to you know some comedy to be- and beautiful artwork all i mean sci-fi you'll go places you never dreamed of going in a sw- in a swamp thing book especially you'd be like i don't even i wasn't expecting this i don't you don't know what you're expecting from a swamp thing book but it's not what you read in these pages i mean it's definitely worth word on the street is that um the tie-dye just got all the trade refreshed all the trades Hmm. So they can, and they're uh, probably like the top sellers. They have any of the hardcovers? Do they? They don't print those hardcovers anymore, do they? Do you know? They right don't print those. They might still have oh, some of the hardcovers. And I looked on Amazon, and I found like they don't sell it new, so you have to go into like, you know, see what other formats we have this in. And I found hardcover for like seventy bucks for volume five. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, 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 pricey. I mean, that's the one you want to get though. If you oh, want to get boy. it. You have to keep your eyes out. Oh, I just did my hand gesture. Drink. <laughs> have to keep your eyes open at Baltimore Comic Con. Oh my word! That's yeah. right around the corner. It is. You know, it really is. I got to cash out some stock so I can do Baltimore. Stock Baltimore. bonds. Go to the horse races. Throw some cash in the track. See what happens. Whatever. <laughs> whatever brings it back to one. You know. Box place or show, baby. Some kind it. of horse racing comment. I don't Box know what that it. meant. I'm going to Google that after the show. There you have it. Saga: The Swamp Thing by dear friend. Alan Moore? You think when Alec was making his final descent into Earth space... This is going through his head, definitely. Yeah, those radio waves hit his brain at the same moment. <laughs> right. You know, which I, I need to remind everyone that, you know, it's only two and a half weeks away from Dale and I and our significant others and Mary and Dave going off the grid in OBX for mm. a full week. we got to schedule around that, see how that's going to work out. Oh, yeah, and then with Jonesy gone the following week, is that how <sighs> it Jones, are you yeah. leaving for a week? Uh, yeah. Aren't you guys also doing the same thing? Jesus, Jones, he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's getting He's back against the wall right now. Maybe maybe we take an unprecedented no. two-week hiatus. Stop it. 
two-week hiatus. We'll figure something whoa, out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold Don't on. Don't put anything Hold on here. No, 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 now no. that it's out there, we got to talk about it. <laughs> Jonesy's suggesting a little break. You know, maybe we just take a little, you know, a little vacation. Paper keg-cation. Right? That we never come back from, Dale. <laughs> This is this is it. This is how you break it to me. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. You know what happens? What's going to happen to our reading habits once we just stop? Paper cake. Dale and Jensen, you guys are just going to stop reading comics at that point? Once we stop paper cake, I mean, is that is the end in sight? Hustling? I don't know. You suggested it after this little paper cake vacation for uh, I mean, OBS. That, that was just me trolling Dale, but I mean, oh. is that how you feel? I mean, you, you know, we gotta suggest... get to, we gotta get to letters, guys. You're right. We gotta get You're to right. letters. You got your letters. I'm gonna <laughs> open them up. Farrington's <laughs> gonna read them. I can hear his stomach churning over the air. You. Letters at paperkeg.com. You have a letter for us. We'll read it on that. Uh, our first letter comes to us from the Ace. Uh, he says to us, sorry for the emails. This one will be short, as if he has to apologize. Uh, Ace, you email whatever you GD please to this show. Absolutely. Don't you ever think that we don't love every single second of it, sir. Uh, one, the boogeyman appears next in the cereal boxes issues. Sorry I wasn't clear before. Mm-hmm. Again, apology, dude. Don't be sorry, babe. We're here for you. It, this is you're one of us now. I mean, this might be one of your last letters ever that got read on a on a podcast that doesn't exist <laughs> at, after this. <laughs> He's the reporter that comes to the convention as the boogeyman, but the other serial killers realize that he's a phony. And the same issue, we also get a shout out to the family man, the guy who killed John Constantine's father in that issue too. Uh, the next time we see Swamp Thing's Blue Planet is in Starman Forty Eight where you see some of the remnants of the Swamp Thing vegetation, uh, specifically from the issue. And then we get the reveal that Solomon Grundy has taken over that planet, and it becomes a nice little brawl in between places that look like Huma. Starman is a great series that, if you get a chance, would make for some nice summer reading. Uh, Three, the Sunderland Corporation becomes one of the more popular evil corporations in the DCU that only John Ostrander seems to want to play with. Uh, he features that corporation in Suicide Squad uh, as one of the main government contractors for military and anti-supervillain attacks. Uh, this particular attack on Swamp Thing becomes their calling card, pointing out that they're very good with taking out environmentally-based supervillains. They even try this trick with the gun, trick with the gun with Firestorm, when Firestorm becomes the fire elemental to varying degrees of success. Uh, you don't have to read this on the air, but guess what? We're gonna. Uh, again, I Never love the show. say that to Jonesy because he just ignores <laughs> it and reads in. it on the air. Uh, please don't think I'm writing this because you aren't giving wonderful content. Uh, I love your discussions and your critiques of various work, especially post-crisis DC stuff. It is just, for whatever reason, I always feel compelled to email you guys when you critique something I really enjoy. And listen, you just keep launching it our way. Uh, thank you for putting up with the wordy emails and keep up the good work. Uh, Gary Ace Anchetta, uh, who just is more published than I am at this point in my heart. I mean, yeah, like, Gary, this honestly means the world to us. I mean, back before we used to send one word group text across on a day 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 basis. I mean, this is the stuff that, like, warms our hearts 
and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. I know I speak for the other two guys too when we say like please like thank you for the thanks for writing in. It means the world to us and I mean I'm not one to not consult guys, but I think I mean this guy DC historian got to be. Uh I think I mean, we, we we I went to the the grave of Mark Farrington ripped yeah. the DC historian mm-hmm. tags off of his paper cake uniform. The only thing that was still pinned him to Gary Ace and Chetta. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just as is, you know, no cleaning up, no refurbed. You know, I got a very strange thing happen. I got a from the grave tentative acceptance for our SummerSlam party from whoever is controlling Mark Farrington's email account. Whoa. I'm going to go ahead and not believe you. I'll see it, you know. I believe it when I see it. Listen, I said tentative. Tentative is I was thrown in there for a reason. <laughs> he hit the maybe tab <laughs> from the grave. Hit <laughs> from the grave. He still hit maybe. Next up is uh, from huge friend of the show, official show intern Matt H H. Subject: the... Summer is almost over. Does it start with, please don't read this on the air, and then we'll just read it anyway? (laughs) Yo, the summer of Swampy drew to a close for me last week as I, like my hero Jonesy, read Swamp Thing volumes five and six in one sitting. Trouble me already. So, so good. Especially My Blue Heaven and Loving the Alien. Truly mind-blowing in conception and execution. Thanks for getting me to reread now. On to my internally duties from the last two episodes. You asked if Alan Moore was getting paid for having created John Constantine. Although some of Constantine's creators received some payments from the terrible 2005 movie, Alan Moore long ago refused any further compensation from DC for adaptations of his work. From a Guardian article, somewhere along the way, Moore developed such a distaste for what he saw on the screen and the revenue accrued from it that he asked for his name to be taken off the credits. Then he started turning down production money. That's Alan Moore, man. He just writes it just to write it. Slim referenced Nukeface using the term nuclear fishing and that being a process nuclear plants do. It was indeed a play on words for nuclear fission where atoms are split to produce energy and radioactive waste. This is opposed to nuclear fusion, which fuses, fuses atoms and produces way more energy and virtual, virtually no waste, which reminds me of the... Uh, episode of Say by the Bell when Screech was tutoring Kelly, you know, things started getting heating up. Everybody thought, you know, Screech and Kelly were hooking up. And uh, Screech's Kevin the robot also featured in that episode. Scientists estimate we're less than a decade away, decade away from unlimited clean fusion power, by the way, which would be pretty great. Dale, for, refer, Dale me, referenced Swamp Thing being so vertigo. I, that was... It's totally my your Valley Girl accent <laughs> coming out. That's because Swamp Thing was the initial inspiration for Vertigo. How about that, guys? Which was formed six years later by Swamp Thing's editor Karen Berger to formally house formally house the seven series that she edited in what had previously all been placed in a quasi separate continuity known as the Burgerverse. These included Swamp Thing, Hellblazer, Shade the Changing Man, Sandman, the Black Orchid miniseries, Animal Man, and Doom Patrol. 
You asked for the first appearance of the underwater vampires. That was way back in issue three, A Town Has Turned to Blood. DC's wiki describes it thusly. In Rosewood, Illinois, Swamp Thing becomes involved with a small band of hunters out to rid their town of vampires. And Alan, Alan's final issue, number 64's Return of the Good Gumbo, features Alan Moore. He cast himself as Gene Labostri, the guy with the shaggy beard and occult rings whose inner monologue frames the issue. That gave Alan a chance to little, literally wave goodbye to Swampy. And two more things. Rucka plus Chichetto doing Star Wars. Get out of here. R.I.P. my wallet. And a thank you is coming soon. Yesterday, I spoke to Sarah of Wilmington, Delaware's The Comic Book Shop and pre-ordered you guys each a hardcover copy of Gabriel Ba and Fabio Moon's upcoming Two Brothers from Dark Horse Comics as a thank you for all of the outstanding entertainment and friendship you have provided me. You guys rock. Peace out, Matt Double H. I guess we kind of just got guilted into not ending the show. Because this guy's got to buy his hardcovers, I guess we have to continue show intern. this podcast. Thank you very much, show intern Double H, as he's affectionately called. Everyone calls him Double H. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I call him, Matt Double H. I mean, I think I, I mean, I'm gonna take a a page out of Slim's book and take credit for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be stealing pages that's... from my Evernote, <laughs> uh, Matt. That's beyond what we would have ever expected we thank you i mean that's amazing because that hardcover looks good <laughs> your bank probably thanks matt oh, double h certainly for you not buying that i mean it's like a reprieve a reprieve <laughs> oh boy incredible what a show that is incredible. what a run we've had you know these yeah these episodes that we've strung together over time you know it was all part of our plan to have 216 episodes of a podcast. You know, maybe we come back one more time. We get together. We finish the summer of Alan Moore. Hashtag Some. Mm. And we finally, you know, the people have been asking for it for a long time. We do a little book called Watchmen. Mm. And we close what out the summer. What a note to end it on. My God. To end it all on, maybe. Boy. I mean, oh. I can't take it. I got it. I'm taking. I'm on Prozac right now. Yeah, he's taking. He's taking podcast Prozac because of people like Jonesy teasing the end of a show. Spoiling it, maybe. <laughs> Chewing Xanax end. like Eminem's drinking, you know, warm milk like Edsel Ford. Little <laughs> <laughs> throwback to the book I'm reading. <laughs> Probably one of the most inside comments ever made on this podcast. <laughs> inside to where only I would get it, which mm-hmm. is fine. Next week, Alan Moore Gibbons. Gibbs. Gibdog. Gibbsman. Watchman. You know? One of the biggest books of all time. We'll finally give it the paper keg treatment. Next on, week. On Milestone episode 217. We'll see everybody next week.
else? I'm sorry, is this thing on? You guys break it up. I uh, go ahead. I actually, uh, I did. I finally got to the comic store. I am um, eager to read some issues. Not. Um, it's been it's been pretty quiet in my collecting front because I I had to just go whole hog and not collect any Secret Wars tie-ins because I want them all. So I can only assume that I have to buy them in some sort of, hopefully, like, Omni of some kind. So I maybe bought the first issue of a couple of the tie-ins, but I, I couldn't just... I mean, it was just so much money that I had to stop, so... Chance, you read Batman yet? You caught up? No. The last issue I read was the Superman-Batman issue where... Oh, my God. The deep, pla- the deep plowered... Not to power, deep plowered... Yeah, he lost his plow. Slim's uh, Clark Kent. <laughs> Slim's into, oh my uh, god comment. Oh my god, that is classic. So, I'm like, I think I'm one issue behind, but I think, okay. from what I understand, that Bruce Wolf is has returned in this issue, or has he? Mm. Mm. Best Alfred issue I've ever read in my life. What? Now I gotta read it tonight. Maybe best. I'll fall asleep. Best. I even tumblered. My favorite panel. That's wow. how good it was. Wow. You probably got so many reblogs, retumbles. I don't, yeah. I don't think I, I mean, did. I, to down pace, I have to read like four issues of Watchmen tonight before I go to bed. <laughs> right. You're going to be done tonight. Done and then you're going to be, t- you know, the one message we'll get that day will be, uh, you know, just wrapped up, guys. We're going to be recording Thursday, right? <laughs> right. Meanwhile, yeah. Dale is pooping in his pantaloons, <laughs> praying oh, that he can get done in time. I know. Or slash hoping everybody's Sunday is open, it's, which it's not because SummerSlam. Yeah, Saturday's out too. And Saturday's out, so Thursday's got to be day, Thursday. Holmes. It's Thursday or bust. All right, then the, Thursday then, or we don't record this episode and we just go to the next one. Oh my God, you bastards! Yeah, the so Operation Watchman is well, well underway. I um, I'm supposed to be recording spoiler another podcast on Tuesday night. Whoa! So. Whoa. Well, I think it's actually going to be Wednesday. Wednesday? Is, is BJ? Uh oh. Oh, my word. No, this is actually uh, spoilers. We've, uh, you know, to, to, to put the solicit out there to get everybody subscribed to the feed. Uh, Turtle Jump has invited Jonesy and I to be on for Arkham Knight chatter. Oh, my God. How do yeah. you have time to be guest hosting on other podcasts. I don't know. When the and long dormant book jug feed is just begging for attention. And uh, don't forget the 12 issues of Watchmen, our two-hour recording sesh on Wednesday, and we have to watch a film uh, in between now and then for Thursday. So the days are just Do we have to watch that? Do we have to, I mean, is that <laughs> Thursday? Is that, uh, are we, are we I mean, live if we on wanna, air? We, we technically... If we keep the monthly recording schedule, we don't have to because we still have one in the can mm-hmm. that I can. Re- I have to edit still. Oh, so we yeah. have some leeway. Okay, we got leeway. So I, I should probably release the one we recorded next week, and then we can record whenever. Okay. We'll be well, if you want to, if you want to move off that Dale, that take the pressure off. I, I will. I'm with you. Yeah, that's going to take the pressure off. Probably, you know. <laughs> Somebody so better tell finish, me. Somebody better tell Dark me Knight about before? this. Yeah. 
I was going to play some tonight, but somebody has to tell me that we're supposed to record another podcast uh, the night before my podcast. So those guys, they might <laughs> not they they might run into some uh, friction. Well, listen, we could if it's if it's your schedule, Dale. I'm okay with Tuesday. Just sheathe the claws, man. We're friends here. No, I'm not getting <laughs> okay. on. No, I'm not getting on you, man. You know, someone's so, getting on. Got to know this stuff. My word. I got to try to beat Arkham Knight. I think I'm close, but I'm annoyed because there's one checkpoint on Miyagani Island I can't find. I'm super annoyed by it. It's the only one I have left. I finally was able to get to the point where the uh, cloud burst was 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 dispersed. Mm. Mhm. Oh, it exploded or it went away? Like, oh, you got uh, IV. No, it exploded. Yeah. yeah. IV. So the is the City, city's okay. in turmoil right now. Okay, all right, got it. Okay, so I'm like seventy seven percent on the main story. Yeah, you're pretty close. You don't have a lot left. I can't remember. I got frustrated. Oh, there was one part. Don't tell me what I had to do to get through it. But there was one part that I died like seven times in a row. It was when Oof. the tanks were at to shoot the. Oh God! I had to disable them for sixty seconds and then go to the next one. But there's like one oh, aiming yeah. right at me, and there's one ahead of me. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've. Screwed up like 30 times already, it feels like, but I'll figure it out. That's so uh, You know, Arkham Knight is such a great game that I have thrown the controller in frustration many times and come back the next day. To, to, and there was one point where I lost my save progress for like two checkpoints, and I considered never coming back to it ever again. That's that, that's that patented Arkham lockup. That's that, is, that PS, <laughs> is that PS4 lockup? That's it, it wasn't lockup. It was one of the. It was the situation where you have a PS4. I had marooned myself on a regular challenge and couldn't get out of it, mm. and I couldn't finish a regular challenge. I was like, "All right, this game's done. I'll never play it again." You bees! <laughs> but then I came back and I, I mustered it. I figured it out. You bees. mustered or or I want to. I'm not sure which version of the word mustard that not, I just heard. Not there. mustard as in the condiment, but mustered my strength. <laughs> you know. I thought, I, like, I, thought, I thought mustard was like a new slang that I wasn't aware of that was being used at your work that I was interested <laughs> in using. You bees. <laughs>